Hey, I'm John Rivers with Four Rivers Restaurant Group, and I am going beyond the smoke today with Thomas Ward. I've visited Texas multiple times, and the camaraderie yeah. of you know everybody that does barbecue in town is crazy. Here or Texas? Texas. Yeah. Texas. It's such a religion there. Yeah. You know what I mean? And all the guys share knowledge and all the guys talk. And then here, I think we've been taught like, oh, that's your competition. Like, don't stay away. You know, I don't buy that. You know, anytime anybody's ever called us or asked for help or come see the smokers or even for recipes, you know, I'll hand them out. And, you know, all those years, you know, I was in healthcare before this. Right out of college, I went into healthcare for, I was in healthcare for 20 years. 20 years. You know, I was an executive in healthcare, and that's that was really what I did. Right. And um, I started. Um, I married a Texan. Okay. I moved in. Da- I lived in Dallas for a while, and that's where I discovered brisket for the first time because I grew up here in Florida. Okay. You know, in the '60s and '70s, you mm-hmm. know, you didn't have beef. You know, yeah. you had pork. You know, everywhere, and it's fine. You know, so I grew up at Bonos and Sunnies and Woodies. I grew up in Jacksonville, places like that, and you know, barbecue always had a place in my heart because my grandpa and I. He right. to, to the day he died when he was 92, we would go to um, Bono's on Beach Boulevard every Wednesday night. Okay. And we'd sit at the counter and we'd watch the guy in the pit, just, you know, yeah, working and stuff. And it didn't matter what came out. It was just time with him, you know. So sure. I had this, this feeling, this great affinity toward it. And then I, I go to Texas and my wife, my, my to-be wife, I, we were young at the time. She introduces me to all of her cousins who are all guys. And these guys, man, they, they hunt deer, they bore, they, they smoke it in... I didn't have a smoker at the time. And she introduces me as, you know, he's a barbecue guy. He really, you know, trying oh, to help me fit man. in and everything. So we're drinking beers and we're hanging out. And it was Thanksgiving dinner. And we sit down and on the table, there's just, you know, beautiful smoked turkey. Mm-hmm. And next to it was this black piece of meat. And, you know, I looked at it and I made the, I made the mistake. I said, what is that? Uh-oh. Oh, God. They lambasted me. And I'll tell you what, I mean, we were all drinking we're young testosterone's going i'm sure. highly competitive and i said well i'll tell you what, i'm gonna learn how to smoke uh, brisket better than any texan out there no idea what i was saying no idea what i was doing did he own a smoker at the time okay and i'll tell you what oh tom it took me 18 years literally and in my job in healthcare, i covered the whole country so i got to travel and my assistant god bless her she would set my flight schedule back in time for me to, to visit one or two barbecue places, literally in every city around the entire country. Okay. And I would, you know, what was really cool about that, aside from learning all the techniques and seeing the different regional styles and everything, nine out of 10 pitmasters, people like you and I walked in, they would bring me back to the back. And talk. Yeah, yeah talk. they, they want to talk, talk about shop it. and they show. That's what I love about barbecue. You know, there is a camaraderie. And just if you think about, you know, the, the origins of barbecue and even growing up, you know, it, for us, it was church, you know, and family mm-hmm. and it was picnic tables and, right. you know, all of those pieces of it. I tried to emulate when we built the first smokehouse. Right. And yeah. if you look at our menu today, every meat that's on there comes from best in class that I found from around the country. So my pulled pork, I learned from Chris Lilly himself in Alabama. Okay. Ribs came from North Carolina. Chicken came from Georgia. My tri-tip came from California. And my brisket actually is a little more influenced, more of an Oklahoma style. Is it? Okay. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, you know, it's a little bit different in technique. But, uh, you know, it, every meat I found out there that I really loved, I came back and it took me months and months and months to just making it. Develop the recipe. Yeah, yeah. From the smoke to the, 
the wood to the rubs to everything about it. And you know how hard it is. It's, it's one thing to cook in your backyard you yeah. know, for yourself. It's one thing to do it for thousands of people every week. Yes. You know, it's, it's very different. It's a big what were week. you doing it? Were you using just a stick smoker at that point? Oh, God. <laughs> my poor wife. Over the years, I got infatuated with it. You know, I, I bought, you know, my first little one was a little Weber, a little okay. bullet. Sure. You know, and tore that guy up, and then I get bigger and bigger and bigger. And then, then I got really fascinated with the science of the smoke. And so I ended up, I, I, I built one unit, had another one uh, welded together for me, and, and I would have pipes going between them with temperature gauges all over just to understand, you know, the, the, the veracity of the heat and where it was and how it was flowing okay. and how it was, you know, bringing all those particulates onto the meat itself and how it would stick. And I had this monstrosity of a contraption in our backyard. This is in St. Louis. Already had, installed there. Install is a, is a very kind word. You know, it was put, it was rubbled together. It was okay. like one smoker, you know, with a pipe going the next one. Next one. And I go out there and I'm telling the movers because, you know, they move you and everything. I'm like, yeah, you got to be really careful with this. And she came out, she's just, uh-uh. She that's said, not coming. that is not coming to our new house. I'm like, that's fine. So I built a whole new one. Did you? <laughs> oh my God, back here in Florida, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's funny. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's the hard part. You're in that science phase. You try everything. You probably did the same thing from injecting it to, yeah. you know, marinating it. You know, brisket, as you know, is that's the hardest it's protein hard. of yeah. all of, of everything that we smoke, everything we cook. You know, we cook beyond just barbecue, but still to this day, brisket's the very hardest thing to do. I agree. I think pork is good next day. Yeah. I like it more the next day, actually. Yeah, yeah, for yeah. me. Just yeah. for me. I mean, in the store, we do it fresh every day, but yeah, I like it the next day. It grabs more flavor, in my yeah. opinion. I love what you've done with the Latin influence in it. It's a little different, yeah. No, I think it's brilliant. Yeah, you know, yeah it's a little different. We were, Thrillist was, we were doing an interview with them, and like, why don't you come down to South Florida and stuff? And I said, I wouldn't bring my, my concept down there. Yeah. They're like, no, what would you do? I said, I'd blend it. You know, yeah, kinda, you would have to change yeah, it up a little bit. Yeah, make like a barbacoa bit, yeah. sometime. Yeah. You know, you got to got to go to where the customer is. So I, I love that you've done that. Now, I really want to taste everything. <laughs> yeah, sure. We'll have you over yeah, one time and you can yeah. taste everything. It's a tiny restaurant, though, you know, so it's it's over the years as we've adapted the menu. You know, you try to grow the menu and then you contract yeah. a little bit and then adjust it. How did you end up going into the restaurant business? Kind of backwards. Backwards. Uh, you know, okay. I just, ever since I was a kid, I loved to cook. And my first job, the day I, back then you couldn't work till you turned 16. And the day I turned, I cut grasses and stuff like that before, but the day I turned 16, I went to this pizza place up in Jacksonville. And I was just so excited to learn, you know, to be hired as a cook and fill out the application. And they call me back. And I remember my mom dropped me off. She said, sure, this is what you want to do. I said, absolutely. So I go in there, the manager, you know, grabs me by the shoulder. He's walking me around, introducing and Thomas, he, he walked me through the kitchen, you know, nods to all the chefs and everything. Then he brings me back to this back little corner where these pots were. And, and he looked, okay, this is, this is your station. I said, what is this? He said, this is the dishwashing. This is what you're going to do. I said, and literally I was so young and naive and, you know, and gullible. And I said, oh, I'm sorry, sir. I said, I filled out the application. I said, cook. <laughs> and he, he looks at me he said, and he taught me a lot of lessons. He said, you know, you got to work your way up. And uh, so I started washing dishes, and yeah, that was my first job ever. And, um, you know, I learned a great lesson doing that. You know, if, if you're not doing something that you're passionate about, you know, bring passion into what you're doing. Sure. And it's amazing how, you know, once you change your continence, how it changes everything and everybody around, around you. And, yeah. 
So I washed dishes, you know, my head was down for a couple of weeks and actually I forget, not even a week. The next week I brought, you know, we used to have little tape recorders back then. And I brought my tape deck in and I had like, you know, I like Van Halen and Stones. I just did it for my own edification. I, I put it, you know, above the dishwasher and I'm, mm -hmm. you know, singing and doing it. And all of a sudden everybody's coming over and like helping me, you know, put stuff together. I'm like, this is really cool. So the next day I brought like these tiki lights and I strung tiki oh, lights really? all around my dishwashing mm -hmm. station. And the manager, sure enough. You know, he came and he noticed. He said, "John, you know, you're pretty new tuner. I'm gonna, I'm gonna give you a promotion." I'm like, "Oh, great! I get to finally go cook." He literally walks me through the kitchen again, nods to the cooks, takes me out. He says, "Now you're our new best boy." <laughs> I worked my way That's all funny. through high school, and I had to work my way through college. My dad stepped out of my life, and we, uh, we, we all had to pay for ourselves getting through. And all five years of college, it took me to get through. All those years, it was in restaurants. Good restaurants. Yeah, and the the irony is. Never once did I was I ever in the kitchen actually cooking. Oh really? I was always front of house, manager, bar stuff like that. The joke is I had to open my own dang restaurant, you know, <laughs> just so I could actually so get I in the kitchen. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. But how I got in it, it, like I said, it was I loved it. But I was in healthcare. I was I was blessed with that and had a great career and we ran a big business and yeah. um. But there was a little girl we found out about in our community. Um, who was the same age as my daughter, and she was a kindergartner at the time who had uh, cancer. Okay. And she had a really bad um, brain tumor. And uh, we, we met the folks. We didn't know the family, but um, we met them and um, tried to help them out with, you know, indigent care and drugs and pharmacy. And, sure. you know, they finally just realized they needed money. And um, so I called, let me write you a check. And he says, no, I said, I can't do that. And I hung up the phone, and I never in my life felt such a, a, a tangible push. Mm. It was like, don't give up. You know, you call him back. And I called him back, and literally, I had no idea what I was going to say. I was making it up. I said, hey, John, it's me again. He says, yeah, I know. I just told you no. I said, hey, um, I love to barbecue. And I got, you know, I got an egg and on the back. I said, you know, why don't we host a, phone, a fundraiser for little Megan? at your church, which is right here in, in Winter Park. And mm -hmm. I said, um, I'll do all the cooking, I'll do all the organizing, you know, you invite anybody you want, and uh, all the money we raise will go for her. Now, That's pretty cool. now I'd only cook for like you know, 20 people, you uh -huh. know, in my backyard, and it wasn't always good, you know, in, in sure. those early years. 450 people RSVP'd, and it was 10 days later. And you imagine back in your early career, and you didn't, I didn't know how to cook that much, I didn't have the storage, I didn't have the capacity. You had, you had egg? I know. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I had a little, my, my other okay. girl that You're I had all built, these smokers, but, but that's still nothing, nothing, that's a lot. nothing to feed that many people yeah. and all the sides and the bread. And it was by grace of God. I tell you what, people started showing up really just out of the woodwork. I mean, literally Monica calls me up one day and our office is up in Lake Mary. She says, you better get home. And I said, why? She says, Oh, you'll see. So I race home, come down I four. I come to pull in my driveway. I had to slam on the brakes. You know, remember those old, uh, old smokers on trailers, the big kettle ones, you know, big circle sure. ones and everything. Yeah. There was one, it had to be 14, 15 feet long. And honestly, it had a, a yellow sticky on it and said, hey, John, heard you might need this. You know, call me when you're done. I'll come pick it up. Holy I mean, crazy shit. stuff like that started happening. And sure That's enough, cool. 10 days later, you know, we served all those 450 people. Um, we raised lots of money for that beautiful little girl. And uh, nobody got sick. <laughs> <laughs> Success. Yeah. Yes. So that was the start. We called it our barbecue ministry. And literally at, in my garage for the next four years, you know, no restaurant in mind. Right. You know, anytime kids or schools or churches need money, you know, I'd, I'd write them a check. But if they let me, I said, hey, let me bring out my smoker. And 
you know, it just grew and grew and grew. And one day I told Monica, my wife, I said, hey, I'm going to go. There's this guy up in Gainesville who's got this smoker. I'm going to get on a trailer, you know, because we're, we're doing so many of these events now. And she says, okay. She had no idea. And it was a Southern Pride. It was a Southern Pride, yeah. yeah. I pulled up at home, and she about shot me with that. And <laughs> that last year in the garage, because um, now I retired. We sold the business, okay. and I started doing the ministry full-time. We served over 45,000 people you know, out of the garage. Sure. Never took money for it. It was truly just a ministry. And matter of fact, that first little store that we opened on Fairbanks, because I was doing healthcare strategic consulting at the time, sure. it was supposed to be a commissary that I could just run the ministry out of. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And we weren't even licensed as a restaurant. We were licensed as a commissary. We didn't have bathroom, we didn't have any of that. No outdoor seating. You know, people started lining up and... I said, well, you know what? What we'll do is we'll put the food that's left over from the events out. And uh, you know, the, I don't know if you ever went in the original one, but had a little teeny, you know, little room that you went in. And uh, it was all glass, and here's all the food, you know, and the hot plates in front of you, just yep. like we have yep. today. Yep. And I put, like, a little hotel bell on the top. And I said, you know, we won't even know if people are coming in because we'll be in the back cooking. They'll ring the bell. Jimmy Craig, because we opened that in uh, October 26th in uh, 2009. And we had a line that day that went around the building. Oh we only had 12 employees, and Monica and I were two of them, so we really don't count. Okay. <laughs> we were so flat-footed. Um, we couldn't even open that, that next Saturday. We had to recoup everything, and um, then all of a sudden, we were a restaurant. And uh, thank goodness, you know, the, the municipality folks love barbecue. They were very lenient, and they, uh, they came and they said, look, you know, you need to change your license. You need to become a restaurant. You need Here's to build bathrooms. Are. So people ask, you know, you got all this business, you make all this money. Like, no, we didn't. You know, it went right back in. You know, sure. and, and quite honestly, we were just, you know, our goal was just to make payroll every week. And this was in 2009 during the crash. Yeah, it was a rough time. Yeah. It was a rough time because a lot of people were looking for jobs. I oh, mean, yeah. And, and there wasn't any. There was no, that was, that was a really cool time, though. When you gave somebody a job back then, you know, as opposed to today, mm -hmm. how appreciative they were. Yeah. Yeah, because you yeah, were taking yeah, care you of their started, family. Yeah, you know? when I started. And, I started uh, with a food truck. Yeah, yeah. It was, it that was, was like that. Yeah. It was a different time. It was a different time. And obviously at that time, I feel that you had really good timing because Sonny's and, and uh, Bubba Lou's yeah. were, you know, old and tired at that time. Well, Bubba Lou's was still the king. And O, Boy, o Boys was open then too. Yeah, and That's O Boys, right. were, yeah, was doing really well. And, you know, and I... I you know, I thought we were far enough away from everybody. You know, we picked up, you know, we couldn't pick really a worse location. You know, <laughs> you think I mean, I, at that time, you yeah. look at it worse, but it was it was great for you. Yeah, it worked out great. We had so many people tell us or tell me why we were going to fail. When I would tell them, because back then, you know, people didn't eat brisket here. Sure. And I said, yeah, we're going to serve. We're going to lead with, we're going to make, we're going to have, um, you know, fast casual. We're going to serve. I want people to see it. You know, I want them to see the food because I had to sell brisket. You know, remember, people came in and they ate pork and ribs. You know, I had to put the brisket in front of them and show them how to cut. And, and sure enough, even to this day, we still have people come in and say, oh, I'll have some of that pork. You know, we got to educate them, especially, you know, 14 years ago. That's why we did. And they told us we were going to fail because, you know, you can't, you can't lead with brisket. You know, barbecue is regionalized. And, you know, Smoky Bones had just gone through what it's they funny. went through. and you say that, yeah. I told them you're going to put people in picnic tables so it's communal. So you get to know your neighbors and, sure. oh, you can't do this. And the side of the road is terrible and you make up stand in line. And, uh, you know, you just got to, you got to choose, you know, who you listen to. You know, if you, 
if you listen to all the no's and people telling you what you can't do, then you're going to end up, you know, doing, doing, not doing things that they couldn't do. That's right. It leads you to open the restaurant, obviously becoming a restaurant, not a ministry anymore, not the barbecue ministry. And then all that success happens. I mean, that store was, I think, what, 1,200, 1,300 square feet? 1,184, yeah. 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 I mean, and, and you did ridiculous business out of there. We did. The AUV there was, was yeah, I, yeah I, was I, crazy. From what I understand, I don't know. Yeah. But you know what, though? We still run the business as a ministry today, Thomas. You know, that's that's where we started. You know, the, the, the business gives us the ability to do the ministry. Sure. You know, it's the, the, the help. Yeah. Oh, it's the funds. You know, it's it's the people. It's a touch. You know, we have employ a thousand people today. And I tell the people, you know, I tell all of our managers, you know, your responsibility is to take care of as much as a person walking in the front of the door, the front door, as you do with the person sitting walking in the back door. You know, we have the opportunity to make impact in people's lives every single day of everybody that we're around. That's right. And as long as we keep that in our forefront, you know, my job is to help every employee or team member understand when you sell a brisket sandwich, it's not about the profit. It's, you know, what you're doing, what that brisket sandwich is going to make a difference in somebody's life with what we do with that money. I agree with you. But explaining that in today's environment is a tough one. It is. It is. We've learned over it's the changed. years. Yeah. You can do all the research and the surveys and stuff that way with team members. You know, it's not always about the money. As a matter of fact, yeah, I think on average nationally it ranks fourth. You know, they, they want to know that they're valued. You know, they want to know that um, they're part of something that's bigger. Mm-hmm. They want to know that they're heard. I read a stat the other day. It was a Harvard study. It was really fascinating. Um, 1% of the working population will quit. Um, only 1% if you acknowledge what they're doing um, and their strength. 22% will quit if you focus on the things that they're doing wrong. 40% will quit if you ignore them. Yeah. Meaning, even if you give them, you show them what they're doing wrong, they you're still pouring into them, sure. and they feel somewhat heard and seen and appreciated. Really fascinating. More than anything, I think, as and I don't know if you share the same sentiment, but we're going into a contraction in the economy. I feel like, and I always say it's the most important thing: people. Yeah. Take care of your people. Yeah. At the end of the day, that they're there day in and day out and taking care of guests. Yeah. It's really important that they know that they're taken care of in the back end, like you said, you know? People work for people. You yeah. know, they don't work for a paycheck. Paycheck's yeah. duplicatable. Yeah, you, know, you can go somewhere else yeah, and make you the same money. Yeah, you, know, you work for people, especially people that you trust. You know, and that's 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 a sign of successful leadership. You know, you ever hear that saying that once they trust your heart, they'll give you their hands? Sure. You know, it's you know, I told someone the other day that the currency of today's leadership is is vulnerability. You know, and um, honesty. Yeah. You know, and they they can and they can actually relate better to you when they see that you're human. Yeah, and the transparency factor. Yeah, hundred percent. You know, and that's yeah. that keeps people engaged, and you know they they want to work for you when they sure. they truly believe in who you are and what you do. How did you go from that one restaurant? What was the next step? Because I always think growth is so interesting. It really is. I I I'm fascinated with the business part of it. I'm a horrible operator. <laughs> okay. You know, I'm the I'm the entrepreneur, the create I'm the recipe creator. I'm, I'm the strategist really sure. and the marketing, but you know, you put me inside those four walls every day, you just, you know, shoot me in the head, you know. It's I, tough. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, I mess up things all the time cuz I move them around. But I was fascinated with, you know, a 
we put together a concentric business model to grow, you know, just using Winter Park. And we said, all right, here's our core. Mm-hmm. And if you look at that core, you know, it's same for you. You know, your brand strength emanates out, okay, concentrically. Sure. And the farther it goes away, imagine the color of that circle fading. So the the strategy, the thought was, well, can we go within the circle, okay, far enough away so we don't cannibalize our own market, but where my brand is recognized and try and kind of see if we can leverage that. Sure. And so we chose Winter Garden. And uh, well, actually, little known fact, Winter Springs was supposed to be our second location. And uh, Advent came okay. in and, and took the site that oh, I really? was going after. Yeah. And then we ended up at Winter Winter Garden. And the joke was, you're just going to Winter Cities, you know, when you're doing this. But um, and, and everyone told me what a terrible uh, location location terrible market you know it's not the funny. boonies so and so but i looked at the demographic projections I'm like no man you're crazy winter garden is especially right on 50 sure and then they said oh you know you need to be on dillard street and so and so now once we did it you know you, again you just put your head down and you, you got to trust your gut once you have one down okay you got your procedures actually you know what happened was probably about four or five months into it. I used to be the carver and my, I hired an operating uh, partner okay. and Jeff. And so he would always be next to me or he'd be running the kitchen. And it was one busy day coming up. And I said, hey, you know what? I got to run to a Costco. We're out of something. And he kind of looks at me and says, okay. And I left him during lunch. And I came back and didn't say anything. And the next day I'm there carving. He's like, where'd you go yesterday? I said, I had to go to Costco. And he says, what'd you buy? I said, I didn't buy anything. He said, what'd you do? I said, I walked around for like two hours, nervous as can be. He says, why did you do that? I looked at him. I said, Jeff, if I'm here working and carving every day, we will never grow. Sure. I have to be able to leave the building and trust that it's going to be run and do exactly like I would do it today. And it was just slowly. It was a slow process. Sure. You know, and every week, just a little bit further. And what it afforded me the opportunity to do was go and find locations. You ever hear that analogy of a submarine captain? You know, in the submarine, you got the periscope, right? You got mm-hmm. two main guys. You got the captain. You got the CO. Well, the C- the captain, his job is to look in the periscope, and what he's doing, he's looking out to the future. He's looking out the horizon, and he's determining, okay, where am I going to go to get there before my enemy or sure. my competition? Okay. The CO's job is down. You know, they're pushing all the buttons, making sure everything is working all right. You can't do both. You know, if you're looking up, you know, and if you're gone, then who's running the show? And if you're looking down, then who's watching for your growth? Sure. And you're, that's one of the most important things about growth is you got you to gotta be able to duplicate yourself. You know, we, we have a thing with every one of our GMs. They literally, every year, they have to name who they're gonna, who's going to replace them. Oh, really? And they pick them. And it's their job to pour into them. But we always have a redundancy plan. And what it does is it, that gives them ownership. Growth. Yeah, 100%. Ownership growth and, and, and potential. Yeah, yeah. People like Which that. is the hardest thing, I think, right now. Because for me, I mean, I'm one store. I'm going for my second one. But when you start growing in numbers, the potential is there for growth. But when does it continue? And how do you continue that centrifuge? How did you build that? It's, I tell you, it's all the market marketing power that you have here you know it's very 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 difficult i've not seen anybody do it maybe chick-fil-a sure the farther you go away sure you know and to us it's evident in auvs and sales you know the farther away we go 
You know, it just, it, it drops off people. People work for people and people buy from people, you know, and you know, business is a relationship. You know, yeah. It's a relationship that you have with the market and with your customers. And, you know, they associate with you. They want to, they, you know, they love the brand. And when they wear, they know they wear your hat or wear your shirt. They want to talk to you. Yeah, absolutely. They want to talk to you. They want to see you at the store. They want to come visit. Yeah. I mean, I get texts still like, hey, you're going to be at the store at this time. I'm like, no, unfortunately, I can't. Yeah, you know? yeah. It's hard when you, you know, going from one to two, when you open your, well, you were handed a second well, one. Well, yeah, I had a second one and, and, and I messed up. I mean, I, I went into an area too early, yeah. I think. And, you know, I think the location changed while I was there and, and everybody moved north of 417 and uh, then COVID happened. Yeah. You have to make mistakes to grow. Yeah. No, yeah, yeah. You, I think that's important. You have to. And you have to be willing to take that risk or else you can't grow. What do they yeah. say? The, well, the biggest risk in your life is to unwillingness to take any risk. You went, wow, nine Winter Garden, 11, Longwood, 12, mm -hmm. and then... Jacksonville, Gainesville. It just, again, just going out on the outer limits of that, sure. you know, and I'm from Jacksonville, so that it, I was kind of excited to open there because we had a lot of relationships and contacts. Sure. Gainesville, I wanted to test a college city, uh -huh. and um, the thought process was, just like UCF, just like Tallahassee, if we open in a college city and we build an affinity there with the brand, Every year when those kids graduate, they're going to take my brand knowledge to you know, Atlanta, places. to all these yeah. other places with them. And sure enough, you know, we do. We have recognition, you know, all a lot of a lot of the southeast, you know, and, and I'll get pictures, you know, those little magnets we did or, you know, we, we've given out, I think it's like 475,000 magnets now oh, since we opened, wow. which is kind of cool. We, People are just willingly putting our brand on their car. On their car, yeah. Yeah, and driving it yeah, around. You've and, seen it around. It's it's a popular. Oh. It's a popular sticker. Yeah, it's faded. You know, the popularity has faded. You yeah. know, it's moved on to other things. But I get pictures still. You know, not weekly anymore. But like from all from London and Afghanistan and oh, really? Colorado. Yeah, That's people. Cool. Yeah, we'll see one. Or and actually, when we travel, because our family, we love to travel worldwide. Mm -hmm. And I always bring a handful of them, and I'll put them up. Like put them the, up I'll put them on the places. Apple Tower, and I'll yeah. put it, you know, and stuff That's like that. That's pretty cool. Yeah. See if people catch it. Do you think that as you grew, it got easier or harder? Oh, harder. 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 Oh, yeah, by far. You know, you always got to have mentors, you know, especially when you step in a space you're not familiar mm -hmm. with. And um, um, one of mine I was talking to when we were going from, like, two to three, and I said, you know, his name is Dan. I said, Dan, I said, you know, what should I be thinking about now that you know, we have 10 stores and 15 stores? And he laughed at me. He said, John, he says, you can't even imagine the complexities of the business and the processes and the, the HR and the legal and all this that you'll be facing when you have 10 stores or 15. He says, the most important thing to do, you focus on that where you're at today and that next one. You got to build those foundations because once you once you have a solid foundation, then you can grow on that. But if your foundation is shaky, you know, or if your brand is not doing well, or if your financials aren't there yet, mm. you know, worst thing you do is take that next step. Sure. You know? Yeah. So yeah. we learned that lesson, but 100%. It's it's a business today. You know, back when back in 09 and 010, 11. When you started. You know, yeah, Jeff and I were reminiscing about it. You know. It was, we were cowboys, you know, and you just, you know, it was fun and, you know, you just make stuff up and, you know, now it's, you know, every time I make, I, I'm a creator, so I make recipes all the time and he, you know, he shoots me. He's like, man, you can't, you gotta, you gotta reduce the menu, you know, and yeah. it's different today in a lot of ways. Um, but at the same time, 
you know, we're able to do so much more. We're able to touch so many more lives. You lives, know, yeah. Our farm that we're building today, man, we couldn't do that without the business, you know, the way it is. And, you know, so I'm, I'm very grateful for where we are. You decided to go into that farm in the meatpacking district, which I think that whole area is going to look so awesome. Yeah. Tell us a little bit more about why and, and what's the background. What, what do you want to do? How do you want to impact with that? It started actually in 15. That's how long we've been working on this, this model. Um, when I, we, we actually came back from a mission trip in Africa. And I remember I got my visa bill and it was all four of us went. I told Monica, man, we spent $30,000 you know, traveling and wow. clothes and yeah. food. And I said, couldn't that $30,000 have been put to better use? Sure. And um, so we, we prayed about it and we said, you know, let's, let's change our whole strategy about giving. And um, so I said, let's, let's focus on our backyard. So I was going around and, you know, talking to Second Harvest and talking to the different entities, just really looking for what, what stirred my heart. Right. And uh, I went to OCPS and Barbara Jenkins and, she and I, she's walking me around the school, and I said, where do you need help? And, of course, everywhere, you know, is <laughs> the answer. But she brought me in the cafeteria, and this was, this was in 15, and I saw what the kids were eating. You know, really, I saw what the kids were not eating. You know, our, our students here at OCPS, um, they only get, a, a, back then, it was like $1.74 a day for two and a half meals. And she tells me, Thomas, she says, um, you know, she says this was this was then. It was one in six of our students, and today I say that because today it's one in five. Twenty percent of our students live in food insecurity. Yeah. I said, I what does that, that mean, Barbara? She says she says twenty percent of our kids, the only food they eat is when they're at school. School. And I said, well, what about home? She says it's not always there. I started thinking about it. I said, what about the weekends? She says it's not always there. And I said, this is where I want to go to work. We came from a you know, pretty modest family, and I know what it's like to, to live like that. Mm. That's why it stirred my heart so much when I saw that. And I know it when, when kids don't eat. I know that look. Dave Krepko, I don't know if you ever met him. He was the CEO of Second Harvest. We're, we started building. I wanted to build like a grocery and a pantry and all this stuff. And he told me something a long time ago. Is about in 15, too. He says, John, he says, you can't food bank your way out of hunger. And I said, what does that mean, Dave? He says, we are handing out more food today than we ever have in our history, yet missed meals and hunger is at the highest point that it's ever been in Orange County. And I said, wow, that's not the solution, is it? He says, no. He says, it's needed. 100% it is. And they bring just tremendous value. Sure. But that's not going to change things. So really, when, if I'm going to put our heart and our money and our family's foundation into this, I mm -hmm. want to make an impact. And the problem with epidemic hunger like we're facing right now it's not just handing out food it's not just access it's also education sure. like i send kids you know we handed out two million meals last year through our farm wow and you know you can't send kids home with like you know broccoli and asparagus they don't know what it is you know it's going to end up in the trash can so i said let's start with educating the community and the kids about where food comes from and it's so funny of all these grandiose plans and goals that we have now with the farm. And, you know, it comes back to the very basis of it of, you know, I got little Jimmy who lives downtown. You know, Jimmy doesn't know tomatoes come from the ground, you know. And it's not just Jimmy. It's Jimmy's parents as well we're finding out. Right. That's where we start. You know, just introduce kids to where food comes from and introduce families about the importance of nutrition and about respecting the land and about the ground and 
I'll tell you what, once, once we started digging some of the stats, you know, our average produce in the United States today, the stuff that you and I buy, travels 1,872 miles on average to get to the plate, okay? Over 330 farmers close and lose their farm every week in the United States. And we just passed as a country for the first time over 50%, 52% today of all the food and produce we eat is imported, okay? Now you think about it. Why are we bringing all this food in? And why are so many people hungry? We must not be producing enough in Florida, mm -hmm. right? In the state of Florida, on an annual basis, nearly one billion pounds of produce goes to waste in the fields, never even makes it out. <laughs> exactly. So I got, I got a billion pounds of produce that's going to waste, and I got all these kids and all these families that are wow. hungry. It's called a broken food system. And I said, you know what? If God has so blessed us with this business, we've got to do something. So we started by building farms. We built two ag programs, um, the first one out at Winter Garden High School. Mm -hmm. I got uh, 200 and some odd students who were growing their own produce and selling it back to the cafeteria. We built the other one over at Edgewater High School and started realizing we can't go high school to high school. We can't keep building. We can't building. go to each one, yeah. So we need one central place that we build that everybody comes to, students, family, uh, healthcare providers, farmers, if I can teach a farmer how to convert their farm into a regenerative, sustainable farming, you know, the impact of that is just tremendous. Yeah, how about reducing the amount of waste? So we started going out to farms and, you know, and said, hey, instead of that going to waste, let us collect it. We have trucks that go out every week around the entire state and we pick up produce. Oh, really? And we bring it back in. And that's the stuff that we hand out. And that's the stuff wow. that we give. And you do it through Second Harvest or you do it on no. the farm already? We've got a warehouse on uh, Princeton and okay. That's OBT. the warehouse that I've seen, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. And that's, um, you know, we, we operate out of that. Um, we, we bring all the food in. We work now with over 52 farms in Florida. And the other thing, this is, I'm gonna, you're going to get an invitation. I'm bringing in all the restaurant tours to, to do a farm tour and a presentation of sure. it. We created a, a program called the Reverse Demand Model. And really, it started with looking in the mirror. And I'm sitting there preaching about buying local, buying local. And I said, yeah. okay, what are we buying? So I got with FreshPoint. That's our distributor. I said, give me a list of all the produce that we buy and tell me where it comes from. And we were, gosh, we were like, 15 to 20% was from Florida farms. Was it? Yeah. And then I said, all right, you know, if I'm going to go out there and say this, I got to live it. We literally went, we had to go item by item. We started with cabbage, because of coleslaw, and we went onions, tomatoes. And we went out and I met the farmers. I would go to the farms. I would meet them. I said, I want to buy from you. Here's the conditions. It has to go through Fresh Point. Okay. okay? I'm, not looking to, I'm not looking to save anything, but I'm not going to pay any more than uh -huh. what we're doing today. And I'll bring you in. We, we buy about $3 million of produce per year. I said, sure. I'll give you our purchases. And then they were all saying yes. Then I said, wait a minute. This is kind of cool. They, then they gave me a, the farm a rebate on top of that. As a okay. matter of fact, we created, created a revenue model out of it. So then I went to Advent Health and I said, hey, can you give me your, they're one of our partners in the farm. Can I represent your produce purchases, you know, and pull through local farmers? And they buy about $5 million a year. Wow. And I did the same thing with OCPS and the same thing with uh, Orlando Health. We ag we accumulated, um, we aggregated $15 million of purchases now in produce that I can take out to farmers and pull through. And, and offer them, yeah. Yeah, and it's it's a win-win. You, you come in the store, we're literally, you know, the, the corn that we eat today, you know, our store was picked last week. And I know the farmer who picked it. And the same with tomatoes and the same with onions. And, you know, it's a win. The, the guest gets a better product. 
Sure. It's more nutritionally balanced, you know, than what yeah. it's not traveling as much. That's right. No Better carbon, dates. no carbon. Yeah. I'm supporting local farmers. Okay. Yeah. Which is a big deal. And, um, you know, we, and we created a revenue model. So wow. everybody's winning. So the farm campus, it's got, um, we're building class. It's called a campus okay. because it's not a high production farm. There's eight styles of farming that we're showing from hydroponic to aquaponic to traditional regenerative farming. Okay. Um, it's got classrooms. We're in dialogue with uh, Valencia College right now about offering to them to move their entire ag program onto our campus. Oh, so wow. We'll have up to two to 500 students uh, actually taking classes and, and working in the fields and in the gardens and, and growing. That's we're working cool. with IFAS and University of Florida, so their students will do internships with us. Created a pipeline for OCPS. Um, we created, uh, working with all these farmers, we're bringing them in and teaching them, you know, more efficiently so that mm -hmm. it reduces waste. Sure. But at the same time, we're taking all that waste and we're putting it to use from composting to feeding families to other people out there. Um, we created um, one of our biggest things that we're doing. It's called the Culinary Health Institute. Yeah. Um, because of my background in healthcare, I very much believe in the use food. of food for medicine. You know, let that medicine be thy food and that food be thy medicine. It's, you know, it's yeah. very important to do. So we just hired a medical chief medical director um, last year, uh, Dr. Agarwal, and she came down from Shands where she was leading all the research up there. And it's doing studies um, around the use of food actually as medicine. We, we enrolled 100 patients in our first clinical trial uh, in 2020 with Advent, and we demonstrated a 65% reduction in readmission rates. Wow. Just by changing their diets. diets. When they came out, these are diabetes patients and cardiovascular patients. And uh, now we're getting ready to go into phase two of the study, um, which will include up to a thousand patients. Which so you basically excited. are teaching them how to eat. Well, actually, no, we're providing the meals. You're providing the meals. Yeah. Okay. So we're actually going to the farms. We're getting the produce directly from the farmers. Okay. We're bringing it in. And back then we did it all in our commissary. You know, sure. We run catering out of, and uh, we, we bought, I bought all the flash freezers and, you know, these machines that, you know, seal packet and everything kind of like an old TV dinner. Right. And uh, we were delivering, you know, seven days of food to a, a patient's home. Wow. You know, for, we had them on uh, regimens of 30 and 60 and 90 days. And, uh, you know, and we were tracing their vitals and their outcomes. And, you know, it's working. We're, we're showing that you can utilize food and it can have an impact on efficacy or the recovery rate in patients. You did it all from the beginning because you were, I mean, Four Rivers was sponsoring and helping and, and, and just helping the community. So you've always been in that you know, idea of help giving back to the community. So it's, it's been pretty consistent. That's, that's how the business started. Yeah. 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 So, you know? I mean, you, you've kept it and taking it to that next level. That's, that's impressive. Well, thank you. We've, we've been blessed. We've got a great team. Communities have been wonderful. And, you know, thank goodness I got a great team running the stores. Yeah. You know, the hardest, hardest thing you'll know, you'll find this out, you know, especially the close proximity of your two stores, sure. your guests will go to both of them and ultimately compare all the time, all the time. Oh, the ribs taste, better here all the time yeah i know yeah I and mean, they say it yeah the food tastes better in this store than this store yeah. i mean they used to say it all the time but sometimes i used to travel between the stores you know the same day and taste ribs just yeah. to see yeah and i would be like no they taste pretty much the same yeah but yeah. you know yeah. i think there's more than just the, the palate that goes into that comment you know that guest is you know they, they love your store you know they this is their favorite seat you know, they, they like that waitress. You know, they like the lighting, the decor. I think all of that goes into the experience when a guest comes in. Yeah, it's not only the food. And that's the thing, right? Because in the restaurant business, everybody likes to put you in this box. Right? Yeah. And so, I mean, we're different. 
but we get compared all the time. And I'm like, we're not the same. Right. I mean, yeah, we do the same stuff, brisket, pork, whatever, but we're very different styles. Yeah. I'm always just so interested in people's perspective of what barbecue is and what do they think is oh, the yeah. correct thing and yeah. who do you think is the hottest one? And I'm, I always say like, guys, don't worry about reading that because at the yeah. end of the day, That's right. you know, their opinion is going to change tomorrow if they thought that that experience was cool. I mean, the latest and greatest is that's where the media goes. That's where the customer, you know, their attention goes. Yeah. But, you know, the, the hard part is just you know, getting them to come back, you know, and over and over and over, especially over the years. You know, I take a look like at Bubba Loose, you know, think about it. They've been open, what, 20 something years? Yeah. That's admirable. You know, to keep yeah, a brand yeah. alive. You alive, know, and yeah. changing, I really and respect that. Yeah. How often do you adapt? Because, like, for example, at Pig Floyd's over the last eight years, I've adapted and changed colors and, you know, kind of yeah. kept moving with what's going on in the market. Do you follow, like, you know, every five years we're going to reface the stores or we're going to reface the brand or do you? You know, a store and equipment is good for about three years. Then it just starts, especially starts the volume down, that yeah. we're both doing. Yeah, it starts to break down. So, you know, um, I don't have a schedule for brand um, changes. But I will say this, you know, adaption and changes are constant. You know, sure. if you think about it, if we're in a market that's constantly changing, okay, this is us, okay, and this is our market, and that market's continuously flowing, okay, whether it's, you know, social media that's influencing them or ec economy or politics or, mm -hmm. you know, their jobs or so-and-so or, or the latest taste that comes out. If we're just sitting still and everything else is going forward, you know, we're actually going backward. Yeah. And you can't do that. And and I have learned this too. It's 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 saddening, but I'm I'm also I do the same thing. You know, I'll find a restaurant that I love, you know, and I might love it for like a year or so, then, and then you know, you for some reason, yeah. 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 It's like, why don't we ever go there anymore? And you really don't have a reason for it. Yeah. You know, though I will say, you know, before I before we opened, you know, I did I would hit barbecue at least twice a week. Really? Yeah, yeah. I Not the typical customer, right? Because no. barbecue is typically maybe twice a month. Yeah, yeah. I wish it was more. <laughs> I wish it was more. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, that was my comfort food, and it still is. It? You know, even though it's funny, I, ironically, I think I eat less barbecue today than I did. Sure, me too. Yeah. I mean, I yeah. I taste and yeah. just keep it going, but yeah. I, I'm very I'm a very boring eater actually, and I just had back surgery a couple of weeks ago, and and at home I've actually been making for the last three weeks. I said I'm gonna mess up my diet. I'm going to try everything that I haven't tried in a long time. <laughs> so I started making it at home and it's oh, been how fun. It's been fun, but I gained the weight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We have five brands. So we have five different styles of food. Sure. You know, that I'll cook and I'll eat and stuff. And um, actually the one I eat the most frequently is probably the coop, actually. Are you? Yeah. yeah I just love that, you know, Southern. And, and you're doing breakfast now. Yeah, yeah, well, we, I mean, we, we've been doing it for, doing a, while, it for a little while, and it's 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 really took off for us. Which is, I'm so grateful. That's that's what I like. Is I I like breakfast. You I'm, do. I'm an I'm a I wake up at five or four or five every day, and I can't help it. I don't use an alarm. It's just, you know. So when it's breakfast, I'm hungry. How do you di like? How did you digest feedback? Because I take it personal sometimes. I don't take it personal other times. You know, I let it go. In the beginning, you know, I learned the hard way: never read the reviews before you go to bed. Yeah. Oh man, yeah, it would tear okay. my. Because I mean, we're in this to serve people, which means we have a serving heart, which means we want them to be happy. Sure. And there comes a day you realize, you know, you just can't make everybody happy. You can't. And yeah. you can't be everything to everybody. And um, we have a team that monitors responses because sure. it's important to me if, that they, if, especially if somebody has a complaint, 
that we got to be quick and respond back to them and sure. acknowledge it and thank them and do whatever we can. I got I, I did it for a little while, and uh, I got into a, an argument or disagreement uh -oh. with a guest because they were telling me that Texas toast was a very traditional Texas barbecue. I'm like, no, dude. I said I've been all over. I've been I've been well over a hundred some odd rest barbecue restaurants in the country. I said it might have the name Texas Toast, but it's just white bread that they it's use over this white bread. No, no, you don't know what the hell you're talking about, so and so. So I told him I didn't know. You know, I told him he didn't know. He was talking about. So my marketing guy took me off of this. Oh, so, so, really? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Responses after that. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, he yeah. was wrong. He was wrong, and I'm gonna prove it to him. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That could be hard. Yeah, yeah. So I don't I'll do that. I, you know, I stick to you know, you know, doing what I do. Well, I appreciate your time. Thank you. Absolutely, been, Thomas. I mean, I mean, we've been in the business eight years, and we haven't had a chance to sit. Yeah. So that's yeah. that's great. I appreciate well, you know, your I still time. You confused with my Tommy Ward? <laughs> yeah, that's what I was going to tell you. We have uh -huh. a Thomas Ward. Uh, yeah, I've yeah. talked to him several times, and yeah. I laugh and I say, yeah. "Hey, man, how many times do people confuse you with?" Oh yeah, Pink Floyd. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He's a nice guy. Yeah, you got an asset there. He's a good guy. Yeah, man. he's running our farm for us. He's now. running the farm. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, was, I, I I saw him and and I asked him, and he was saying that. He's running the farm. Yeah. That's great. Well, good luck with your Thank new you. opening I coming the up. The same with you. Yeah, yeah I hope absolutely. you get a CEO this week. Yeah. yeah Thank you. All right. Yeah, awesome. Hey, thanks for watching. I'm going to sit here to subscribe. Hello? Subscribe.